In this episode, you're going to hear a prediction. A prediction on how private enterprise's growing role in schools is about to massively disrupt the status quo. Hey everyone, I'm Shane Leaning. Welcome back to Global Ed Leaders, a podcast about education across countries and cultures. I'm an international school leadership coach, and in this show, I learn with the teachers, leaders, and innovators making a difference around the world. My guest today is Dan Fitzpatrick. As an award-winning author and edtech strategist, Dan is one of the foremost experts on artificial intelligence in education, and Dan offers invaluable insight into navigating the AI revolution. So much so that we've actually got two episodes lined up for you. In the first episode, we explore the landscape of AI and change, before then diving into practical strategies for leaders in episode two. Dan started our chat by outlining the landscape. Let's jump in. I think we're at a really interesting point in terms of the AI journey for for a lot of schools at the moment and a lot of educational institutions all around the world. We're, we're kind of a few months into people becoming aware of generative AI. Back in January, it was very much a blank slate out there. So somebody like me, who my job is to train leaders and, and teachers in these tools, it was very much a starting point. But I found that, in fact, someone was asking me this question the other day, am I, am I still doing the same content that I did back in January now? And it's really interesting because yes and no, because it's because as you can imagine, a lot of schools are still at the starting point, but some are some are kind of being innovative and, and really pushing pushing their their ability and, and really training their staff up. So I'm I'm at a point where if I go into a school now, um, I really need to know before I go what where the staff are at and, and where the leadership team are at. And I can't just assume they're at square one now because I can go in and try and start with the basics and they, they might be they might be like, well we're already doing this. So it's it's really interesting because I'd say the majority of the majority of schools around the world are still very much at, at square one and haven't really done much with with artificial intelligence yet. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I think just to name a few, the, a lot of schools are under pressure, financial pressure, resource pressure, um, staffing pressure, time pressure. So to actually entertain something innovative and new that could potentially take up a lot of time if you're going to dedicate resources to it is is just not possible for a lot of a lot of schools and i'm quite lucky that i get to travel the world and and see different education systems and the the position that we're that we're in in the uk is very much the the kind of the norm around the world at the moment and i guess your audience will will probably recognize some of that that a lot of there's a lot of pressure on on schools in terms of what i've talked about and there's also the the side of it of just basic understanding of knowing what this technology is um, what it can do, and there's a lot. I mean, I suppose if you're on Twitter, which which I think the majority of teachers aren't, even though it's fantastic professional development. But even if you're in that space, the, the, you get you're getting kind of stories and and um, resources thrown at you left, right, and center. Um, so it's it's it, you got you got to really focus and try and try and move your way through that kind of that cloud of just people talking about this and you know what people are like and I'm, I'm the same really on social media when something new comes along everyone wants to talk about it everyone is now an expert in it and, and you get just a wall of information a wall of people trying to give you advice and then there's i think there's the the third element of where schools are at and it's to be fair it's probably one of the wisest places to be at is to go right well 
there's a storm at the minute with people talking about AI, AI being generated, everyone and their mothers creating an AI platform or a tool at the moment. So it's like, where should we just wait and let the let it just die down a bit, let it settle and see which tools kind of come out of it that that are actually valuable. And um and I, I really think schools, I say this quite a bit, schools and teachers have got really good BS filters. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast, but they can really filter through what doesn't work and what works. Um, because it because if something is is, is rubbish and it's going to take up some of their time, for example, a new educational platform, and it's going to take up some of their time. They're really conscious that they could waste time. I guess that's where someone like myself comes in or somebody who's exploring this technology out there. My full-time job is to wade through all of the new tools, is to wade through all of the new advice and to try and come out at the end of it and go, well, actually, this seems to be having value based on what, what I've noticed in schools, universities, colleges around the world, what I've noticed myself being being a, a former digital strategist in education, this seems to have some value. And so schools, I think, are just sitting back and going, well, actually, let's just see what 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 happens. And you've got, like, most schools are on Microsoft or, or Google, aren't they? They're on, yeah. and they're bringing out, uh, Microsoft's bringing Copilot out, Google's bringing Duet out, which is going to kind of integrate some of this AI into the day-to-day office tools and um, learning tools that, that teachers are using. So a lot of schools are just waiting for that. So so we're at, we're at a, I suppose, to answer your question, Shane, we're at, we're at a moment where some schools, some educational institutions are running with it. They really want to get to know what this technology is. They want the staff to start benefiting from it from day one. And then the other side of it is, is some schools just aren't aware of it at all. And then in the middle, you've kind of got the majority who are just kind of like, Let's just wait and see what comes from this and what's going to be actually beneficial for us. I think so many listeners right now are going to be just nodding their heads off going, yes, that's me. That's exactly where I am. I can imagine they all, them all fitting into one of those boxes. And it really struck me what you said. It's so new that you've got some people who've really jumped onto it, some people who haven't even started. And I imagine when you go into a school, it's not even as simple as, you know, where are you at this journey? They're probably all at different, all the staff are at different points, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. One of the first things I always do in a keynote is I always say, right, who's heard of ChatGPT? Um, who's using it on a day-to-day basis and who's used it once or twice? And you always kind of get, you get a few people, probably about a third of the audience who are using it day-to-day. Uh, maybe, maybe a bit less than that. You get, you get, the majority who've maybe played with it once and then never touched it again. And then you always still get, I'm always still surprised by, you get a handful of people who've never even heard of it. Who are like, what is, who, what's this guy going on about? What's, what's this chat PT thing? Um, so yeah, it's, I think you're right. And it really makes delivering training or a keynote for me really difficult on where to pitch it. Cause I'm, <laughs> cause you've got to try and start at the beginning, but then also give everybody some value in the room. Of course. And and that's, I guess, the challenge of a school leader as well. If a school leader, and I, I'm assuming a few people who are tuning into this, uh, are school leaders who are thinking, okay, I want to kind of take a step with AI, but I have no idea where to begin. And it's not that we should just simply go, well, begin by choosing a tool. They might be thinking a bit more, well, can I think a little bit about the strategy of how I'm going to take forward and, and move the conversation forward with AI in our school. And I 
heard you say, you know, a part of what you do is as a, was it an edutech strategist? Is that how you called it? Uh, well, my old job, I, I used to work in further education in, in the UK and I was the director for digital strategy. So it was my job to to strategize for for digital innovation and and to work with digital industries as well in, in the, the area where I was working. Yeah, so my background is very much te- a teacher trainer, but then also a strategist. So I always kind of come at it from both sides of that coin, uh, which is kind of what I'm doing with AI as well. Brilliant. Well, if we can take the conversation today in terms of the strategy direction, I think that would be really useful. And I know you've written about in your newsletter um, that you release, and I know you've talked about it a few times about boxes. You have you have a thing about boxes, Dan. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about these boxes and where where they fit within this, the AI landscape. Yeah, it's there's a there's a strategy out there called the Three Box Solution to Innovation, and it's a great book by Vijay Govindarajan. If you haven't read it or come across it, which I'm really surprised a lot of people haven't. In fact, most people haven't. Um, check it out. He's he's a he's a, a lecturer at Columbia University in America. Um, I I, had, I I did one of his units a few years ago and, and absolutely loved it when I was doing a, a postgraduate diploma in innovation. And it just really struck me as just a really simple, nice way to to think about innovation and and how to strategize for innovation because. Innovation's a buzzword, and it just kind of gets substituted for something new. So if you do something new, you're an innovator. It It's a bit more nuanced than that. It's a bit more complex than that, I think. And essentially how I look at strategy is leadership for tomorrow. So if you want to be a leader tomorrow, you're going to have to have a strategy. If you want to continue to be a leader for tomorrow, you're going to have to have a strategy to allow you to do that. Um, and that involves, and it's... It, it's entwined with innovation because like it or not, and a lot of people don't like it. We, we live in a very changing world. Pretty much the only constant in the world we live in is change. So to lead tomorrow, we have to be people who can adapt. We have to be people who are agile and we have to be, and this is really difficult in education. We have to be organizations that are agile as well. Um, we have to be organizations that can adapt. And, and I'm not saying that, that we have to very quickly go with the wind wherever, whatever's happening, because, I mean, that that's just disastrous for any organization just to, to, to do that. But we have to be leaders who, leaders of discernment and leaders who spend some time actually weighing up what the best forms of adaption are. And we're in a stage, I think, in history where where we, Adaption is 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 a necessity. I don't think, and and I and we just talked about kind of those three those three camps where organisations or leaders are at in terms of wanting to jump on this new technology, wanting to just wait, and then actually not knowing anything about it. I didn't I didn't actually form a judgment on any of those camps on which one was the best, but I will now. I think <laughs> I think I think those who are who and, and and I'm going to use quite blunt language here, but I think those organisations that that will innovate and thrive in the next few years are those that are actually jumping at it right now. Um, and and I'll and I'll tell you why because we need to start thinking of education more in terms of an industry. We need to start thinking of education more in terms of a business and an, an organisation um, that is among competition. 
And if you think about it, a, a business has to adapt. Otherwise it becomes stale, it becomes irrelevant. And then a comp- some competitor is going to come and steal all your customers because they've got a better product or they've, they've innovated in that market where your product isn't relevant anymore. Um, the education system as a whole, I think, is, is, it just hasn't had to deal with that. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm from a working class background where we were just sent to the local school. Um, we, people like my family, people who I grew up with, we didn't have money to go to an independent school or anything like that. So you were just sent to the local school at the end of your street, primary school, then, then the local secondary school. That secondary school, that primary school didn't have to compete. It didn't, it just, it just wasn't even in their vocabulary. It was just, they knew every year, depending on the demographics, how many students they were going to get. There was no, there was no such thing as competition. Let's take that to private schools or independent schools. Um, there is an element of competition there, but to be honest, I mean, let's be completely honest with ourselves. There's not much difference. There might be, there might be a, a difference within the prestige of the school might be a difference within certain elements of how they deliver their courses. But at the end of the day, there's not all that much difference. Um, further education where I work, colleges tend to have um, tend to have a bit of competition. But again, they're all still kind of delivering the same kind of courses in the same kind of way. There's not all that much difference. I think that's about a change massively. And I can confidently say that because for the last six years, I've been researching the future of education. So I've got a podcast called um, edgy futurists uh, with with a guy called Ben and a guy called Steve, um, who are educators as well. And we what we do is we we essentially every week we interview someone who's pushing the boundaries of education from around the world. And we've been lucky to have some amazing guests on. And we've started to see it being in that position where you're interviewing, and I'm sure you kind of say this yourself, Shane, where you're interviewing uh, someone innovative every week or or however often over a period of time you begin to see trends, you begin to go, you know what, what, what you're talking about there is what the person last week talked about and the person a month ago talked about. And you start to like, you can start to kind of see trends emerging and what people are saying, which is, it's a really privileged position to be in really, to, to start to, to start to see that bubbling up and starting trends to start getting stronger and stronger. A few years ago, we start really started to see, and it was, it was pre COVID, but COVID kind of boosted it a bit. And then the, the point I'm going to make is that AI is going to boost this into the stratosphere, is that independent, private organizations are creating learning experiences, not for adults, where the primary domain has normally been, but for young people. And we're starting to see this more and more. So I've spoke a few times with a guy called Josh Darn. Josh started a school with Elon Musk at SpaceX, essentially in a conference room at SpaceX. And that's now morphed into an online school called Synthesis, where they purely focus on teaching children problem-solving and communication skills uh, and collaboration skills, so problem-solving, communication, collaboration, because they've identified those skills as the skills that are going to offer the most value to the world and to companies. So they're teaching their students how to offer the most value to the world, which, by the way, I think, and I've been writing about this this week, actually, in my newsletter, should be the, the essence of any educational organization. How are we creating value creators? How are we forming our students to offer value? Because actually, when you get down to the essence of what brings success and what brings happiness, I think it's how we contribute and, and, and the level of the value that we offer. 
competition is going to be something that really resonates with international school leaders because most of them are private enterprises. But in the exact same way as you just said, in reality, and many won't want to admit this, most schools are quite similar. But what you're saying is private enterprise, if I've heard right, private enterprise is coming more into the education sphere for school age education. And that is, in your mind, a good thing because it's going to drive competition and drive quality up. I think it's a bit more nuanced than it's just a good thing. I think there's going to be, I think there's some amazing opportunities that will be had from this. I think, I think we're at the start of a new wave of, of what education is going to look like because private corporations haven't really got into education for young people yet. It's going that way. I mean, if you think of Khan Academy, um, if you think of Synthesis, who I've just mentioned out of California, they, they, they've got their eyes on, on the horizon. They want, they want to provide global education for, for young people that is relevant because they come from a philosophy of actually they think the traditional education system just isn't cutting it. Wow. I mean, I mean that's, a, that's probably a full different conversation there. And, and to be honest, I think in certain respects it's a good thing. But, I mean, there's immediate questions that pop up there of, well, who's going to be in charge of education there? Is it, are we going to have private corporations in charge of what our children learn? Um, are we going to have, um, I mean, there's been a lot of debate about who's going to, who's going to decide what artificial intelligence tools we have? Is it, the, is it the tech companies? And then, I mean, we've already seen how much of a disaster that can be from social media. Is it going to be government regulation? Problems there, because... I mean, if you've ever watched one of those Senate hearings where they interview the, the tech bosses in America, yeah. the, 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 the senators or the co congressmen and women, whoever they are, know, know very little about the technology. So who's, who's going to regulate it? Who's going who's gonna to decide what our children learn? Massive issues there, huge issues there. So I'm not saying this is all a good thing. But also I think there's, a, there's, another, um, there's another underlying issue with this type of model is that the, the equity side of it. Because I think what, what this will do, if we've got now competition from private companies offering educational models, it's going to drive the price down. It's going to become affordable. So whereas a lot of, a lot of families can't afford to send their children to independent school, um, however, they might be able to afford to send their, their children to an online school two, three days a week, or a few mornings a week, a few afternoons a week, where they collaborate online with students around the world, led by um, AI-powered systems that that call upon the professional um, skills of of world leaders. Like we're talking about that when AI is is, is harnessed in these in these tools, it's it's, it's going to get very powerful. It's going to allow our students to have some amazing experiences. So I think. The equity problem there will be, well, what about the families who literally can't even, especially in our current global economic crisis, can't even afford to put food on the table, never mind just pay a little bit extra for some kind of private education. I think there's, I think <laughs> it's interesting because I, I get excited about this because I think, I think a bit of competition, a bit of, um, a bit of market influence on how we educate our, our children actually could, could be amazing for the for our students, but for the world as well, for our society, um, because I, I'm, I, I, come, I come from the the viewpoint that we're not preparing our students properly for the for the future of the world, really. So I think it's amazing, but I think there's some some major issues with it, uh, 
who decides, and then the equity issue. So one thing I know for sure is I've got a two and a three-year-old, and they're going to be doing some of these online schools. They will be, because I know they exist. I know the value that they're offering at the moment, and I, in good faith, wouldn't, if, if I've got the, the money to be able to get to send them on these these online schools, that I'm not going to not do it. So, and I think that that drives the equity issue as well. And I, and I can see that, but that, I suppose we, when you live in a capitalist society as we do, what's the solution there? I think we, and actually I think the solution is I'm building a more agile education system. So actually the, the students who are left in the system or however, however, the whatever, whatever happens at the end of the day uh, and, and how the, the lay of the land will be in education whatever the education system of a country will be, it has to, has to compete with, with these other companies. It has to provide the skills. Otherwise, otherwise the equity is just going to be driven even further. And that won't be on the companies. That'll be on the education system and the governments. That'll be on their heads, really, because they need to keep up to date. And it's difficult because the edu- education systems are hundreds of years old. It's difficult. They're difficult to... Like trying to turn around an oil tanker, it's really, really difficult. Some days I'm optimistic. I'm like, the education system can change, it can do this. And then some days I, I look at the evidence of the last few decades and think, um, even if it can, does it want to change? Uh, but I think it really needs to for the sake of our young people. I think we all bounce between those those two modes. And And what's really striking me right now about this conversation is, you're right, there's going to be a a divide, there's going to be an argument. It's already starting to play out, right, on social media and in, in the media in general. There's going to be an argument. Where does the uh, private industry sit within within the education se- sector? And I know it's going to be pricking school leaders' ears up all, all over the place in, in one way or another. But I think what's important and what I'm taking from this is whatever our opinion on whether this is is good or bad or neutral, it's happening. Today, Dan offered so much wisdom about the AI landscape in schools. With some schools diving in while others hesitate, it's clear we're in a moment of flux. But amidst the uncertainty, Dan compels us to focus on keeping students' best interest at the centre. Though private industry's growing role raises critical questions, Dan encourages schools to embrace agility and compete by developing those skills most valuable to the future. And this reminder of our higher purpose was grounding. While technological change can inevitably bring growing pains, Dan inspired confidence that when equity, discernment and care for our students lead the way, we can really traverse this AI revolution for the betterment of the whole of society. And in the next episode, we continue that conversation with some practical strategies leaders can use to ride this AI wave. Globe-led Leaders is hosted and produced by me, Shane Leaning. Original music by Guillermo Stopper. If you like this show, I think you're going to love my newsletter with reflections on the latest episodes and leadership advice. You can subscribe on my website, shaneleaning.com. And if you are online, reach out and share your journey. I'm on Twitter using my handle at Shane, or I'm also on LinkedIn using the links in the show notes. But if we don't speak before, I'll see you here for the next part of our interview with Dan.